Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour, Cofield and Company. Much to get into. Crazy day. Less than what two weeks after winning the Stanley Cup? I can't remember when they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> now is it, is it coming? Is today is tomorrow? Two weeks? Was it a Tuesday night? A Thursday night? I can't remember. Tuesday, Tuesday night. So have we two passed two weeks? Yesterday. So just over two weeks uh, from winning the Stanley Cup. Riley Smith out, gone. Ivan Barbashev basically given his deal with an extension around the same money. So we'll hash that out. We got a good guest spot coming up. Start doing it, Willie. Start twisting the hips. I know your hip hurts, but start warming up. We're getting ready for Power Slap 3. So Dan Helly, one of the announcers, who also has done a lot of work with NFL Network, is going to join us. One of the greatest entertainment dollars. So that's coming up in about 30 minutes. But, you know, we were just talking at the end of the discussion with Mike Golick Sr. about something they had talked about on their show. The the Golicks are on DraftKings now. They have a, a radio channel or a podcast network that they're putting together. And I guess in their news and notes section of the show, they mentioned that, hey, it's, again, the anniversary of Tyson Holyfield, the bite fight. That was number two between them, right? First fight was in November, and Tyson got dispatched pretty easily. They come into the second fight, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a big argument over who the official was going to be. And the Tyson camp didn't watch, uh, didn't watch Mitch Halpern they didn't feel like he was going to protect Tyson enough. And then in the fight, Tyson was like, hey, he's headbutting me. And then Tyson just, you know, again, the fight wasn't going his way. He flipped out and spit out his mouthpiece and freaking ripped a piece of Holyfield's ear off. Now, for me, the fight itself, I think it's been hashed over and over again. I want to know what you were doing in Vegas, where you were, because I was at the MGM that night. Were you flipping tables? Well, that's something I remember. (laughs) What's your recollection of the stories? It's very, it's vague for me. I actually, at the time, I was an employee of the Review Journal, but I was working in a different section. I had moved on from sports. And I was, if I'm not mistaken, it was that fight. Because I know it was one of the two Holyfield Tysons. But it was that one. I was in the back of a Metro vehicle. Wait a second. All right, here we go. We got stories. (laughs) Did you wind up in the freaking, in the pen with a bunch of people from the MGM? No, it's not what you're thinking. Okay. I was doing diary stories for a newspaper, community paper within the RJ, where I would do ride-alongs all night. Oh, no way. And so I would chronicle it. One of the stories was the Northwest Summerlin beat because everyone thought Northwest, oh, it's a cush beat because Summerlin was at the time, that was the fastest growing community in Southern Nevada. Right. So, and Clark County was the fastest growing county in the nation. So I would always say, they'd say, what, what's your beat? And I'd say, my beat is the fastest growing community in, in the nation. Yeah. But the problem was, was the Northwest beat, you know where that extended into historic West Las Vegas, the quote unquote West side. Hello. But on this night, I was doing the Southwest beat, which con- included Penwood, which is one of the original Naked City areas across from Clark High School, where I went to school. Drive through there all the time. So I was in a Metro vehicle doing one of my diary oh my stories, God. and I would put down the timestamps. And I remember it coming over the air 
a ruckus because it, right. so it had to have been that night. And and they were like, oh man, there's something going on. The Tyson Holyfield fight, and you know, and then and then I would chronicle it whatever time. Then we went for this call, and then this call, and then there was a couple where they'd say, you know, it was funny. The Southwest beat was a lot tougher on you know you stay in the car for this one than the, one, the night that I really? did the one on the West Side. Yeah, well, you know, it's crazy. Imagine if you were. Uh, doing that ride along and then they had asked for that area for backup because yeah. i don't remember this because i was inside the mgm but there was so much upheaval and chaos at the mgm after the bite mm-hmm. that they closed down the strip for a little bit yeah uh they certainly closed the tables at the mgm yeah, so these are good stories for new las vegans right folks who are new to the area so this is june 28th 1998 we're what now, uh, you know, 25, 26 years uh, after that whole deal. 25. And I keep saying 98. It was 97. June 28th, 97. June 28th, 97. June 27th, 1998. I keep getting it wrong. Okay, 98. Okay. June 27, 98. So then I actually, I might have been on the air. I know I was at the set. Oh, that was 98. Okay. All right. So we're there. Okay. So the fight goes down. He bites him. There's, it's crazy inside the arena. I was not in the arena because I was outside as part of a show on sports fan radio network. And my recollection, a couple of things, first of all, we absolutely heard some sort of pop, 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 pop. Mm -hmm. We thought it was gunfire reports afterwards said it was a gate, like a partition that fell down. Oh, which is interesting because it wasn't one pop. So I guess if someone knocked it down and then maybe it was making noise because people were stepping on it or someone was lifting it and slamming it. Well, unless there was so, more than one. Okay. That's, that's my point. Subtle. Um, the other one was, <laughs> oh no, those were champagne corks popping. Wait, after the fight was letting out and people were like rushing through the casino. Cause that's the other thing. You know, you remember how it's, I mean, it's still there for fights. The, the uh, T-Mobile is great. Cause there's a lot of ways to get out. MGM Grand Garden Arena, there's not a lot, a lot of ways to get out. So when people want to get out quickly, it's really tight. And then people start freaking out. And then you got a fight like that that was ended controversially. A lot of people didn't know what the hell happened. By the way, he ripped his ear off. They stopped the fight. Uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr. didn't speak for 25 minutes. The announcement of what had happened mm-hmm. 25 minutes later. So then you have all these people rushing out. And then your reference is another interesting one. What would you say about the tables? The people were flipping them over. Yep grabbing chips, doing whatever they could to possibly leave with money. Yes. Yep. And by the way, not just people, people. There were rumors of some multiple Hall of Fame quality people oh. in sports who had grabbed some chips for some reason. Um, one of the pieces I watched, I hadn't even realized the whole chip part of it. I mean, I knew they grabbed chips. And that was a story that people were scooping up chips and flipping over tables. They were actually trying to get to the cash. I mean, that's how crazy. Think about think about how secure casinos are. That's how crazy the night was because you have all the thousands of people rushing out. They're all frustrated and amped. You know how a boxing crowd gets, MMA crowd gets. You know, you know, you're all like you're like you're a fighter, you know. And then it ends, and you're you know, and then you're bumping into each other. So people were going after anything, chips, cash. Uh, I was watching a piece on just chip collectors. And I guess MGM, you know, they had enough chips stolen that they got, I think they got a lot of them back. In fact, you know, when we talk about some Hall of Fame, like athletes grabbing chips, I think they were spotted on the cameras and they were like, give the friggin' chips back. But some chips got out. 
to the point where I think MGM had to go and like get new chips made, reissue them. And then you have a, basically anyone who tried to come in and cash them relatively soon. Once they got the new chips, we're like, eh, it's an old chip. Whoa, where'd you get that one from, buddy? Or right. ma'am? Right. So, so that, it, was, that- it was a crazy friggin' night. But from a Vegas standpoint, it, it wasn't just the fight. No, and to your point about the eye in the sky, that I was going to make that point, but you did for me is right. you're an idiot if you don't think like just even if you I mean you're a one percent chance of being able to get away with it, but if you don't think that those guys with the eye in the sky and they're keeping an eye on every single face and they're zeroing in with technology and putting them up at the cage, because at some point you have to bring that chip to the cage. You're not going to take a chip from one casino to the other and casinos are going to work together on stuff like that. They're not going to allow things like that to take place. So there's going to be pictures. There's going to be, so, you know, it's just like with sports betting tickets. Once you hit a certain limit, I mean, they're all recorded. So anybody that, you know, back in the day, messenger betters, if you got your tickets taken, it's all registered. $10,000 chips. They're all registered to certain people. So um, it was a crazy night without a doubt. Here's what's crazy. You bring this up. I was out the other night randomly, which is not like me. You know that. But I went to a local facility. The entire facility is a dispensary, but there's different establishments within. And some close friends have, from back in the day, former DJs, big-time names in the entertainment industry back in the day, they've incorporated a bar and taken it over, turned it into somewhat of a little bit of a club. And so we're walking through and my buddy's giving me a tour of the very back where it's now under construction for this massive nightclub established three story establishment that they're going to build. And he was like, come on, you want to walk through the dispensary? I was like, dude, I've seen a dispensary. I really don't need to. I, I appreciate you walking me through every single thing, but I've, I've seen dispensaries. I've been in dispensaries. I, I, I get it. He was like, Oh, I was going to show you the, uh, the Mike Tyson ear. Have you seen the ear? I was like, yeah, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. He goes, no, you know, he's got the edible ears with the THC and Holyfield gets a piece of it. And it's great collaboration. I said, Dude, it's the, one of the best gimmicks in all of dispensaries is the Tyson ear. You take it, you know, you're yeah. getting to bite holy the ear. Ears. Yeah. yeah holy ears. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's fantastic. Him and Tyson brought it, brought it, Which, brought it back to life. Again, that's crazy because doing sports talk radio or if you're a columnist or uh, you know some you could make comments not just report on stories willie mm-hmm. a guy biting another dude's ear was like the height of you know barbarism being a barbarian like we'd never seen that that is unbelievable tyson ban him for life that was the cry at the time Yesterday, that was the cry at the time, and now they've forgiven each other. Well, Holyfield's forgiven Tyson, and now they're in business together, joking about pulling his ear apart. Yesterday, you referenced tough guys, studio tempers, it right. workforce. Uh, Someone got rushed. You got rushed in the studio. Got, like, Is checked, anyone- checked against the wall, against- punched in the ribs. No bitten ears, huh? I don't think there's ever been a bite never uh, a with bite. the sports staff with, no. with comp on the point back in the day. I don't know. You never know. I've heard stories of, you know, radio FM radio stations, music stations back in the eighties and nineties. Like literally it was anchor man. Like you'd have rival radio stations. I don't know. I don't know. All right. You've heard those stories before. Haven't you? 
Uh, yeah, I've heard all kinds of different stories. Yeah, our our, uh, our old buddy Vinny, who was in sales, talked about a couple of them about uh, getting getting ready to throw hands at you know with another radio station at a remote or something. I'm like, whoa, okay. It's, I guess the push against the wall or the punch to the ribs from the sports staff ain't that big a deal if you guys are ready to freaking throw tridents at each other or brass knuckles. Yeah, definitely the crazier here. stories are <laughs> not sports related. Here, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. So we came in today with VGK planning to talk on some yeah, kind of benign stuff, not a big deal. Um, really the, the goalie situation, right? We had a rumor a couple days ago <laughs> that – Aiden Hill could be getting a two-year near $10 million package. And then we started talking about, hey, what's going to happen with all these goalies, right? What's going to happen with the young guy, Logan Thompson? What's going to happen with Brassois? Leonard's got a lot of money owed to him. Now, we've had Riley Smith traded today to Pittsburgh for a third-round pick. And Barbashev has been brought back in the fold for what we think is a pretty affordable deal. So we'll get to that. But you sent out something last night. I retweeted it. I was like, ah, you know what? Willie's doing his job. You know, a little bit of uh, follow-up on the goalie situation, you know, a little bit of scoopage. Willie tweets out, been told Logan Thompson would be open to a trade. I'll read it again. Been told Logan Thompson would be open to a trade to a playoff contender. Not necessarily a powerhouse, just a team that is in contention and where he would be dubbed the number one, considering Aiden Hill is on the brink of resigning. Okay. And that was a retweet of a Kevin Weeks report that said what? Kevin Weeks tweet said, goalie carousel. I'm told a few teams have called the Golden Knights to see if he'd be available by trade. He's an all-star, Stanley Cup champ, cap-friendly deal, 766,000, 26 years old, all upside. Speaking about Logan Thompson. So I quoted that tweet with what you just read. Well, as passionate as the Golden Knights fan base can be, especially on Twitter. There's always got to be a few know-it-alls, a few experts, and hey, God love the fan base that, that, that disagrees or, hey, this is a silly deal. They should never do this. I love all those opinions. You, you, we talked about opinions earlier. We talked about Seth's opinion and not making Connor McDavid. That's fine. But when you start answer when you when you are another media member and you start answering other people's tweets because you know what happens when you retweet somebody now if somebody replies not only is the original tweet but the person who retweeted gets involved in the reply when you retweet or quote somebody's tweet or reply to somebody's tweet and tag me by saying that I'm suggesting that Logan Thompson is not a good character guy, not a good locker room guy. I have a problem with that. Do not misconstrue what I said. Do not take my words out of context in what I wrote. I did not say Logan Thompson doesn't want to be a Vegas Golden Knight. I did not say Logan Thompson wants to leave Las Vegas. I did not say he's unhappy. What I said was, been told Logan Thompson would be open. That means, you know what that means? He's a team first guy. If he can't be with the team that he was an all-star, oh, and by the way, at the minor league level, won the AHL Goalie of the Year award. Oh, by the way, that came in and kept them in playoff contention, Peter DeBoer's last 
couple of weeks as coach, if he can't be the number one, and hey, if they come to him and say, we want to use the value that we feel you are as an all-star goaltender and try to, he's open to it. Doesn't mean that he's demanding it. Doesn't mean he's saying, trade me. Doesn't mean he's saying, now, I did follow up and say, no, he doesn't want to be a backup. And someone's like, well, by not wanting to be a backup, that's a bad. Wait a minute. So so basically you're telling me that if Jonathan Marchessault walks in and says, hey, I don't, if, if, if whomever walks in and says, I don't want to be a backup forward, nobody wants to be a backup. You make it to the pros, you become an all-star because you want to start. Of course he wants to be a starter. What are you, an idiot? Don't take people's words out of context. Everybody's so quick to want to reply and tweet and reply and quote and this and that instead of just reading the damn tweet. It's what happened last year when I tweeted out something about the NBA. Did not say that they were going to do it. They said would like to, wanted to, whatever it was. Same thing. Logan Thompson would be open if the situation arises is he any who Logan Thompson, second year guy? Is he in a position to make demands? Maybe not. Maybe he should be thankful that he's part of the Golden Knights and he, he go ahead and accept being the thirty five percent of the six, of the eighty two games being played. Whatever it is, but at the same token, he could also say, "Well, we're, Logan, we're getting a good deal. We're going to send you to, to Arizona or Ottawa." He could go. I'm not going there, and if I do, I'm not playing. So he could just turn around and, and, and sit out and not and not want to play for them. So he it's not necessarily that he could block a trade or he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he could be difficult. That's not his style. He's a great guy. He's humble. He's nice and everything. My problem is when you misconstrue what I'm saying, and that's not what I said. Logan Thompson is 100% a bona fide great guy, but he's open if that's what they want to do. Field and Company is live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 702-766-1400. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. So a big day in Vegas Golden Knights land as they do make some big moves. Riley Smith, one of the misfits, has been traded was traded to Pittsburgh for a third-round pick. Uh, right after that, Ivan Barbashev signed to an extension. Kelly McCrimmon did a presser earlier today in Nashville. Here he is. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the media. As we prepare for uh, round one tonight of the entry draft, uh, we made a trade today, trading Riley Smith to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round pick in 2024. I'd like to thank Riley for his... Uh, time in Vegas. He's one of the original players that we selected in expansion. A six-year player. We're uh, proud that he leaves the Stanley Cup champion. I know that he is going to get a good opportunity in Pittsburgh. I know that he will do well. Our objective has been to uh, try to keep um, as much of our roster together as we can. I made the comment when I did year-end media that I think we'll be able to return uh, our team almost intact, which is pretty uncommon for a Stanley Cup winner. Um, we have some free agents uh, of our own that we uh, are working on. Uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev being one of those players who uh, we signed to a contract today. Uh, we think this will give us the ability to 
pretty much return our team uh, in whole. So that was our objective as we went into free agency. Unfortunately, uh, to get there, uh, we moved Riley to, uh, to Pittsburgh to facilitate some of the other moves that we want to make. Uh, we were not looking to bring anyone, anyone in from outside our organization. All of the uh, decisions that we were making were on uh, people that we just won a Stanley Cup with. So, uh, you know, by definition, that makes those decisions difficult and challenging uh, to make. But uh, we, uh, uh, we feel that we uh, got our way through it and, and uh, are excited about what, uh, what it could mean for the makeup of our roster. Beginning of the press, we'll have the rest in just a couple of minutes. So we have a guest coming up, but that was Kelly McCrimmon. Interesting that after he announced Riley Smith has been traded and that Barbie has been signed, he did say they're not looking at outside free agents. He did say this will allow us, we think, to keep the team together, that it was unusual for a Stanley Cup winner to be able to do that, which I think he might be a little bit off on. They're not keeping every goaltender. They have too many, and some of them are unrestricted free agents. Yeah. But that would, that would, does that suggest that it's Aiden Hill, or well, does it? I think right. It, I mean, he on the goalies, they're not keeping everyone. So no, and and he said, you know, the mo he said most of it, for the most part, most of it. So, um, the only one that's on the books is actually Logan Thompson. So, um, which I predicted last week would be traded, and then it, we just covered this. I mentioned on Twitter that he's open to being traded from what I'm being told. Um, the person that's on the books is him. And of course on LTIR is Robin Leonard. Personally, I think that they want Aiden Hill. I mean, he's the Stanley cup gold tending the winning goaltender. And it's a matter of whether you want your backup to be Laurent Brassois or Logan Thompson. And then you'd have Yuri Patera in Henderson. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think Laurent Brassois has sort of, he, he understands in his, he understands his role. He's already used to being a backup. And I'll say it again, Logan Thompson, he's not being selfish, but if he can go somewhere and be a starter, that's what he wants to do. So there you go. Right. And that's the, uh, the puzzle. That we don't know that, you know, we don't understand or no, we don't have insight on that part of it. If LT is willing to be a 40% goaltender with the upside, you know, he could play more if uh, the starter, whoever it is, Aiden Hill or Brassois. I mean, at this point, it could be Leonard. I don't know if Leonard passes a physical. I mean, that seems like a, a long bridge to cross, but yeah. who the hell knows what's going on? But now we get a little bit of insight there from Kelly McCrimmon in Nashville on why Riley Smith was traded. We'll hear more from McCrimmon in about 20 minutes, but up next, we'll get into uh, some NFL and also one of our favorite sports, Power Slap. Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right. You know, on this show, you ask and you shall receive. So I showed uh, Willie Ramirez a video yesterday of uh, Raina Wong, competitive eater, taking down uh, big sausages in one bite. So we booked her. And then all you talk about is your uh, Instagram and TikTok impact with the power slap event you covered 
a couple of months back. So I was like, all right, we're going to talk power slap. And I like it too. Dan Helly, I think, likes it because uh, he's pretty enthusiastic about it when we see him. Dan is up with Cofield and Company here on ESPN Las Vegas. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Steve and Willie, what's up, man? Listen, you guys put out a tweet about Raina, and I went down yeah. her Instagram rabbit hole. I, I couldn't stop watching that video. It's unreal. So thank it? you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I got a I got a retweet from a guy, a radio guy in Charlotte, who was like, "Wait, you guys have a um, a volume eating competitive eater expert?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course you do. It's competitive eating. It's one of the great sports in all the world." We'll get Dan back up. We'll get the, he, or he was like, "You know what? I'm done talking about Raina one." But I got him. I got him to go down the rabbit hole. I got him. I, I appreciated the the way he phrased that. Yes, down the rabbit hole. No. Oh, how do you do it? Get it right. I went to her timeline and went down. <laughs> oh, maybe you got cut off. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dan's back up. I Dan Helley's with us. Two words. All right, Dan. We were just talking about the uh, internet impact of different videos and and projects. Um, Power Slap has been gigantic, especially on social media. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, you look at what Power Slap's doing compared to the major sports. I mean, the biggest sports we have in the country, right? Um, I was looking at something the other day, and the week of Power Slap 2, we had 89 million video views across you know, social media platforms, Rumble and YouTube. The NHL, in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals, had 24 million. The NBA, in the middle of the NBA Finals, 64 million. So that, that, that's 3x and 33% more for Power Slap. It's, it's really made for social media. I mean, it's... Uh, you cut up these clips and you can't stop watching them. It's like Raina. I was at Power Slap too, and I did. Um, I had cleared it with the, one of the PR. They knew who that you know Dana knew who I was, and, and so on. So on. I was like, hey, I'm I'm going to grab some clip. They were like, that's fine, because um, I'm not using it to market anything or sell anything. So anyway, I cut up AJ Hintz's match, right, and where he lost, but where he got knocked out, but he actually won on a technicality. Now, when Dana and I sat down and did a one-on-one in the back room afterwards, he was like, Willie, we've already got – or someone came up and told him as we were talking, they had already had a million views, and it was less than an hour after the show on one specific match. At the time, I had a little more than 3,000 followers on Instagram. Within – once it caught fire, within a week after it started, it became the number one reel on, if you did hashtag power slap and searched the Explorer page on Instagram, my reel was the number one reel up there above anybody else's reel. It's gotten more than a million views, and I'm now close to 10,000 followers, and the comments just keep rolling in as we lead up to power slap three. I find it fascinating in person. I think it's one of those sports where you got to be there to appreciate just the energy that everybody in the arena brings with it. Well, I say this all the time, um, and I think you're exactly right about being there in person, right? It's great for social media, but it is so fun in person. Both times, we've done Power Slap 1 and Power Slap 2, and we did a couple exhibitions. But Michael Bisping and I will look at each other at the end and be like, this is so fun. You know, Power Slap 1 had 12 matches, I believe. And that was our first foray, right? We had done some of the exhibitions, but it was our first real UFC-quality broadcast. And that's the cool thing about Power Slap is 
you know, this isn't public access television you're, you're talking about. You're, you're talking about some of the best producers and camera guys and directors in the country. And they're putting together a, a UFC network-level production for Power Slap. So it's great to watch. But being there in person, to hear what sounds like a gunshot when one man's hand slaps another dude across the face, it's unbelievable. And uh, it's, I mean, it's pure entertainment. It is pure. I, I'm bringing six friends next time from, uh, from California just to watch because I've been That's talking awesome. about it for a year. And I also think the fights are wild because nothing's set yet. Like, I think the evolution of the sport is going to be incredible. Like the guys who are good right now, I mean, I, I have no idea if they'll be anywhere near the sport at this level in two years because more people get into it, the level rises. Well, yeah, as, as it does with everything, right? I mean, yep. go back and watch the first um, – go, go back and watch UFC 1 and UFC 2 and compare that to the guys now. Go back and watch yep. football in the 60s and compare that to the guys now or you know, the NBA for that matter. How about when you're just going to be able to get guys who are training full-time? And by the mm-hmm. way, we're not very far away from that. There's already a handful that are doing it right now. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch the evolution of the sport. And you know, from a social media standpoint – um, popularity-wise, it's uh, it's a rocket ship right now. Yeah, we were watching. I was actually watching over at a local casino that night at uh, Ellis Island. Uh, Dana White has ties to Ellis going way back, and I was going crazy. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to insult them because uh, I'm fat, but when they brought out the two big fellas, that fight, <laughs> this, it was like 362 against 467, and the 467 guy went down in a heap. I, I, I freaking flipped the chair backwards. It was unreal. The power and just the anticipation, it was nuts. Yeah, yeah, that was slap for cash. And, you know, he yeah. was really big on uh, Instagram, still is, obviously. He has over yeah, a million yeah. followers. And he would go around, and it started in Las Vegas. He would go around slapping guys. Basically, panhandlers would ask him for money. And he said he got tired of being asked for money. So he said, sure, I'll give you 20 bucks if you let me slap you. So he started doing this, and videos went viral. And he had a slap fight with, uh, I can't remember if it was Logan Paul, or uh, I believe it was Logan Paul. Anyway, he's had a couple of slap fights, so there was a lot of anticipation of him coming in, and he got slept. It was crazy. So that was um, was that Dane Viernes that that put him down. Uh, his brother Koa Viernes is going to be fighting yep. on this one, so we have another super heavyweight uh, bout. It's going to be just nice. the second one that we've had, and this is a three hundred and eighty-five pounder against a four hundred pounder. So it should Woo-hoo! be good. You are talking about yeah. the duh. D.A., Crazy Hawaiian, and the Hawaiian Hitman are their names. These Paulies, let me tell you something. Shane Victorino says he's been watching it long before Dana got involved. Oh, really? The Paulies, Polynesians, are, they've been doing this. This is like, they they claim that this is their sport. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be, it's going to be the Crazy Hawaiian, who's the older brother of Dane Viernes. Dane, I guess, got hurt. So, uh, Koa. Viernes stepped oh, uh, in, and the crazy Hawaiian's taken on a, a 400-pound Samoan security guard who works in Vegas, Micah yikes. Schooley. Wait. Yikes. And here's the other thing, Dan. Let me tell you something. At Power Slap 1, I spoke to Koa. When I walked up and introduced myself, like, he shook my hand. And, you know, you're kind of expecting, like, where you, as a media member, you shake the hand of, like, a linebacker or a receiver, and your, your mm-hmm. hand just disappears. His hands were so soft. And he, was, <laughs> he was so soft-spoken and so like, yes, sir, brother. And da, da, da. and he was so nice and humble. Like, like then they go up there and they're just vicious, crazy. But then when they come down, like, he was the nicest guy. It was fantastic. 
That is not what I expected you were going to say, was his hands were soft. That's hilarious. I thought you were going to say, when I first met Javon Kurse, he has hands that go up to my elbow and just engulfed me. But you're like, his hands were so soft. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, It's it's fun. You know, I don't know what the plans are from a a live viewership standpoint. I I know they're eventually going to take it on the road, but I don't know if it's going to be places that are similar in size to the Apex, that they're talking about arenas, but... I can imagine them, you know, at some point filling up arenas with power slap. My God. My dream would be power slap gets big enough that it can actually be in the rotation in the sphere. How incredible oh would that be? Have you seen have you seen the sphere here in Vegas? Yet? I've seen it. I've seen it being built. I've played golf yeah. next door when it's been built. I haven't been inside. Can you even go inside? No, well, yet? I mean, no, no. There's been a couple of secret views of it, but I mean, it's going to hold like 18,000. The sound is supposed to be the best ever. There's like scents that come in. I don't even know what kind of scent you would put in for Power Slap. It'd be interesting. The event's going down on July 7th. Dan Helley's with us. He's one of the announcers. Six o'clock start our time. It's part of International Fight Week, and it's free on Rumble. These events are a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, the talent pool is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So if I'm right, uh, Wolverine was fighting heavyweight, right? He's in the main event. He's going against Hintz. So Wolverine's coming down to light heavy? Yeah, he's been talking about it for a while. He's really okay. not that big. That's the thing I think you're going to get, too, as this sport evolves a little bit. You have guys that are fighting heavyweights that are true light heavyweights, and you have light heavyweights that should be middleweights. You know, these guys don't do a lot of weight cutting, and they've just started getting to the point where they've figured out, I can go down a weight class and keep most of my power, and I, I think I think Ron Bader is going to be nasty. I mean, he's just a good old boy from Mountain Home, Arkansas. He delivers lumber, and he just slaps the crap out of people. That's what he does. You know, he won and the power just- slap title, beating Darius the Destroyer, and then uh, lost in May to his assistant coach on uh, power slap one row to the title, Damien the Bell. And and now he's moved down, and I think he's going to do some damage. You know, AJ's AJ's nasty too, but you mentioned it earlier. You know, a- AJ got. AJ was out, but he won because of a DQ, so he, he kept the title. Um, he has crazy neck strength and uh, a lot of power in his hands as well, but I, I could I, I could see Ron Beta taking the title here. Yeah, and he's hungry to bounce back from that power slap one loss. Or No, he won in power slap one, didn't he? Yeah, because he I Darius. talked to him, and he was very emotional about it. Like it, like this is something that he's worked toward, and he was kind of, kind of very, you know, his voice was cracking a little bit in the back. I got to talk to all of them, including AJ. I'm looking forward to that match in particular, just because I've sort of, I sort of grown sort of a little bit of fondness for for AJ Hints. Um, and he actually commented to somebody who commented on my reel. He replied to them and he talked about his neck strength. He goes, look at the statistics and look at the. I didn't realize that there were breakdown in numbers, but he was like, I have the strongest neck in power slap. Check it out. So I'm looking forward to that match the most. Yeah, I am too. And he does. I, I think his neck is, I don't know if it's two times stronger than the next strongest guy, but in terms yeah. of the metrics, there was nobody even close to AJ Hintz. And listen, he's just a great story. I, I think the more that uh, we see these guys, the more we get to know them, the more we're going to learn about them. He, he's, he's a janitor at a cardboard factory. He, he got married after Power Slap 1 uh, in Vegas. This is going to be his third Power Slap event. He was part of the reality show. He, he's made some money. I mean, this, this guy, this sport is, is changing his life. It's pretty cool to watch. Dan, do you think you could take a, a slap from like a person, like a decent strength person your size? Do you have a beard? Do you have a chin? 
I don't have a beard, and I did well, a fraternity boxing match in college. Okay, oh, no. lost or was that? Lost. Oh yeah, we're talking a long time ago. I'm I'm 48. Yeah. Lost, did get best fight of the night. Right, so we hung nice. in there, okay. competitive fight. I've I've had this conversation with my buddies a number of times, and depending on the amount of beers, it depends on you know how many slaps I think I could take. I think I could take one, but I will tell you this: I went through the battery of tests at the PI. You all did? Guys okay. Went, all right. went through all of them, all right? In terms of power, I was top five in the, if I were living in the power slap house. And, and Get out of here! Two of the guys wow. who were one and two are no longer in power slap. So technically, mm-hmm. I would be top three in power slap right now in terms of power. That being mm-hmm. said, my velocity was very slow. Charlie Arnold had higher velocity than I did. So Which I don't know how that, that, that correlates. But um, I do have no plans in the immediate future of getting my chin tested anytime soon. Are you, uh, so you're not lobbying uh, Dana White for a senior division? That's a good idea, though. That, that would be a good story. <laughs> I, think, I think that could get a few million views on Instagram Reels. All right, so the flip side of this, and again, the event's going down July 7th, Power Slap 3. It is here in town. It, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an invite-only type thing. It's hard to get into, but you're going to want to watch it on Rumble. Listen, there are a lot of detractors. We have one on the show, right? Uh, Adam Hill's columnist here in town, writer here in town. He wrote a you know pretty scathing piece. He doesn't like it. Dana got all mad at him. He's kind of weaponized Adam, and that's he's you know kind of Dana likes the hey the media are idiots, and I always you know I always know um, that's a that's a narrative. When people come to you, you're an announcer. I mean, you know you're connected mm-hmm. with some big sports around the world, like the NFL. Um, sure. What do you tell them when they're like, hey, this is you know this is bum fights and this is gross? Then don't watch. I mean, it's just entertainment, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, if you don't want to see a stripper, don't go to a strip club. If you don't want to see a slap fight, don't watch it. But there's plenty of people who are, and I think there's plenty of people who will be watching it in the future. It's entertainment. Nobody's forcing these guys to do this. You watch some of these fights in the UFC, you're you're telling me in three rounds, taking three slaps, those guys are taking more damage than somebody does in in a three-round UFC fight where – they're eating 150 to 200 significant strikes. I mean, come on. You know, I just, I, I get, they're, they're always going to be detractors. They're going to be detractors for everything. And I get it. You, you, there's no defense, but that's what this sport is. People getting knocked the heck out. And, and that's what people want to see, right? It's like there, some people watch NASCAR for car crashes. You watch Power Slap to see people get knocked out. Don't want to watch, don't watch. I mean, that's what I say. You know, if you want to be discussed, to be discussed. You know, you, we're just we're kind of living in this time where people want to be discussed with something. This is just the latest. I'll get over it. You know what I liken it to, Dan, is the scene in Private Parts, uh, Howard Stern's biography movie, where they're baffled at the ratings. And they say, well, what about the people that like him? Why do they like him? They, say, they want to hear what he's going to say next. They say, well, what about the people that don't like him? Metrics say they want to see what they they want to hear what right. he's going to say next. The people that don't like it, they're but they're yet they're on Instagram or TikTok and they're actually watching it to degrade it and talk about it. Either way, it's getting views, and that's what Dana told me afterwards of Power Slap Two, which I'm I'm setting up this one on one that I did with him in time for Power Slap Three. Um, was I said, what do you say to the people that say it wasn't a sport? I say they told me that when I took over UFC. Yeah. Well, he's History, right. I mean, yeah. think back. How, how long did it take 
for the UFC to get sanctioned in the state of New York. A long time. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even 10 years ago when it got sanctioned. You know? So I, it, 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 it's a new sport. It's a different sport. It's an interesting sport. Some people don't like to call it a sport. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see better athletes, higher-level guys. The physicality is going to be greater. It's going to be more brutal. It's going to be better videos. Um, yeah, I, I, it's fun. It's fun. I, I think that the other thing, too, is you, you're going to be able to attract the, – the, everything's going to get better, right? The caliber of competition, the money that these guys are making, the social media platform that they're going to have because of Power Slap, and they're going to start monetizing that just like UFC fighters do. Um, it's just, it's to me, the seed has been planted. We're pouring the water on it and it is growing day by day. Just give this thing a little sunlight. Dan, you're awesome, man. We really enjoy the broadcast. We're going to be watching again. It's uh, Friday, July 7th, a six o'clock start on a rumble. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we want to get you on down the road, man. This is good stuff. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for having me guys. There he is Dan Helly, the announcer for power slap. Also, uh, has worked with the NFL Network. Coming up next, a little more of the Kelly McCrimmon press conference. Riley Smith on the move. He's going to Pittsburgh. Barbie signed. Now what with Aiden Hill? Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, winning a championship doesn't uh, doesn't change that, uh, Jesse. Um, you know where your team is at dictates to some extent what your next moves uh, will be or or could be or you need to decide uh, based on uh, where you're at. So contractually. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, we had all the RFAs last summer, so you know we're not at risk of an offer sheet. You know, we're we're you know we're buttoned down in terms of uh, the number of players we've got returning on contract. We've got some UFA decisions to make. We've got one RFA in uh, in Brett Howden. Our our goal, our focus is always to improve our team, but right now we're you know really committed contract wise, and and I say that as a positive. Uh, we're, you know, we're committed contract-wise here uh, for next year. And, you know, if, if you like your team as we do, that's a good thing. There you go. Kelly McCurran talking about mentality after winning the Stanley Cup, and they want to keep most of the team together. So Riley Smith has been traded. Uh, here's a little more of the press conference from Nashville as McCurman talks about Riley Smith out, uh, Barbie in and staying for a while, and what went into that decision. Well, it's not between Ivan and Riley. We've got other uh, free agents as well. Everything intertwines, and uh, there's different ways that you can get to uh, 83.5. So uh, internally, we never uh, made it a decision about uh, one versus the other. I think what we uh, did talk a lot about was uh, uh, Barbashev's impact uh, on our roster when we acquired him from uh, St. Louis, his ability to... Uh, fit in so seamlessly with uh, with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault to give us uh, a really good top line. And, uh, uh, you know, I made the comment when we acquired uh, Ivan on March uh, or late February, early March, 
that we've been looking for a player like this for some time. He's uh, in the prime of his career. We, uh, you know, gave up a good young player to acquire him. He came in. He played extremely well. Uh, we won a Stanley Cup. He was a big part of that. We wanted to uh, we wanted to keep him. So that's uh, that's uh, you know that's where the conversation began, and then from there you start to go through your different ways of uh, of addressing. Uh, your salary cap and getting uh, getting it to where it needs to be. So there you go. Kelly McCurman saying it wasn't between Smith and Barbie. I mean, it kind of was. Um, I was just gesturing to you during the cut being played because uh, I teased something earlier in the show and I forgot to get to it. So uh, next week we'll have to. I want to get to that whole Canada fan angle where they're mad at Vegas all the time. Hey, if guys want to stay here and they want to stay on discounts, boo-hoo. Tough luck. And I don't know. I don't know if it's even possible that there's some sort of hockey player freaking tax discount that the Canadian government can install. But if you're going to whine about, you know, your taxes and your weather, I mean, that's nothing the Vegas Golden Knights or teams in Texas and Florida are going to do. If we have no state income tax, that's an advantage. Sorry. Find a way to get around it. It's not only that. It's that locker room chemistry and the character of the room that George McPhee preached in year one. I don't know. Who would want to sign with the Oilers and be around Connor McDavid? Sour all the time, sullen. But he's the Hart Trophy winner. He's great. Thanks to all of our guests today. Check out the archives at LVSportsNetwork.com.